Thanks for joining us for How You Like That Movie. This month, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going on a little road trip in the horror genre. So each week, it's going to get a little bit scarier where we're going to discuss two movies. Now, Chris, with no further delay, we're talking movies. We're talking Monster Squad and Beetlejuice. All I have to say is... Teo! Misa Teo! Daylight's come and me won't go home. <laughs> Little Harry Belafonte there. So actually, I'm going to take one from each each film. So from Monster Squad, you're not a virgin, are you? And from Beetlejuice, go ahead, make my millennium. <laughs> Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? As Scott said, it's the month of October, so we're doing nothing but Halloween-themed films. And tonight is what I would call classic family fun. So we're going to be doing the 1988 film Beetlejuice, alongside the 1987 cult film The Monster Squad. So Squat, so Squat, squad. so Scott, <laughs> <laughs> take us away. For me, we'll start... 87. We'll start Monster Squad Goal. Sounds good to me. This movie's on my rotation every year. I watch this movie every year, introduce my kids. Uh, the minute they turn five is when each one has watched it, and then we watch it each year together. This is my, to put it, um, it's my gateway drug to horror films. Right? Really? Like, like, this is the one that kind of kicked off your love of horror? Yeah. And, and also my kids. Like, my son now is after watching this and he watched it a couple a couple times now he's opened up that we he's now watched majority of all the halloween movies he's watched um the first it like the new one um he's watched a bunch of now he's into halloween or not halloween sorry friday the 13th but and this is a kid who's afraid to trick or treat like he won't go trick or treating because that scares him. How old were you uh, when when you actually introduced your son to the Monster Squad? How old is I? No, well, how old were you, and how old were you, how old were your kids? Well, when I watched this when it first came out, this was uh, you know going to Blockbuster and it, it just being up there and just grabbing it on a Friday night kind of thing with my parents that it looked cool, right? Like I don't think I ever remember it in theaters. Like this movie from all my research bombed in theaters but i just fell in love with it and it literally just like gateway to all the universal monsters yeah so if you haven't seen this film the basic concept is it's sort of like what like goonies meets ghostbusters ghostbusters where you've got some of the classic movie monsters dracula frankenstein the wolfman creature from the black lagoon and the mummy and a bunch of kids that when the monsters show up in their hometown, they've got to obviously they form they have a little club which is their monster squad, and they have to obviously get rid of the monsters. That's pretty self explanatory. Um, this film is directed by Fred Decker, and who did you come up with much of his work? Like he hasn't done a lot of stuff as a director. No, he did. Oh my god! Now I'm having a brain fart. Well, okay, but so, he well, did. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. What was the one right after this? That okay. So while you look up his his directorial stuff, he actually co-wrote it with Shane Black, who he also co-wrote the Predator, not the original Predator, but the most recent Predator. 
Interesting yeah. about Shane Black, though, is Shane Black has actually had a pretty amazing career. So he wrote Lethal Weapon. He wrote Iron Man 3, which I believe he also directed. Yes. The Nice Guys. And, of course, the later, the the Predator, which came out, what, was that 2018, 2017? Well, no. He was, he was on Hold The on. Predator. I know, I know the original Predator from the 80s. But the, the newest Predator, The Predator. Yeah. When did that come out? Like two years ago. Yeah. So the crazy story about him and Predator, the one from the 80s with Arnold Schwarzenegger, is he was brought on as a script doctor. And in order to like do script rewrites kind of in the field, they cast him as Hawkins. You know, if, if you, anybody who has seen the, seen the original Predator remembers, there's kind of like a nerdy guy. He always tells like fat girlfriend jokes and stuff. And I think he's the first one killed off. But he was also the, one of the script doctors on that set. Yeah, but do you know what script he was actually writing? Uh, wasn't he working Monster Squad at the time? No. What was he writing? Lethal Weapon. I thought he wrote Lethal Weapon before he was on Predator. No. He was writing it that Joel Silver, he sold it to Joel Silver. And yeah, yeah, Joel yeah. Silver was producing The Predator. And yeah. And that's, that's why he was on the set. So notice that was past tense. He had already written and sold Lethal Weapon. He, he Yeah, but Shane and Black And then does... he went to work on Predator. Yeah, his whole... Shane Black became famous because he was the guy that was selling spec scripts. They weren't written scripts. Yeah, was yeah, all, yeah. Everything was on spec. Yeah. So he was actually writing the script. Yeah, I think he got 250000 for Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And then in terms of Decker, it was actually the movie before, Night of the Creeps, that I enjoy. And then he did RoboCop 3, but we won't talk about that one. What's that? <laughs> he did RoboCop 3 in terms of directing. Yeah, so he, he so actually this whole film, I, I would say that Shane Black is probably the most famous person who really works on this film for the most part. Like as far as his career being like A-list. Um, because we've got like, I mean, Jonathan Gress, the guy that plays the Wolfman, plays Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. That's he al- cool. He also played another werewolf right after this movie. Oh, really? Which, yeah. which film was that? Fright Night 2. Fright Night 2. Oh, man, that movie was horrible. But he plays the werewolf in that movie. <laughs> um, so do you remember The Wonder Years? Yeah. The TV show? Yeah. So Jason Harvey, the guy that plays the, like the bully or whatever, again, he was in this. He had a little role in Back to the Future and then The Wonder Years. And then I think he went on to do, be like in advertising or something like that. Like this film definitely did not create a lot of stars. Well, I think the whole point of it bombing too but it, it's gained like this movie has gained such a cult classic that there literally is a documentary getting released at the end of this month based on the cult status of this movie and what is that documentary called wolfman got nards that's right classic line i think as a kid when i saw this film that was like one of the biggest like schoolyard sayings that was going on like kick him in the nards kick him in the nards <laughs> So yeah, you were talking about how it bombed. Uh, yeah, I think it was the budget was twelve million. It only made three point eight back or something like that at the box office. Yeah, yeah, like. And those are those are those are eighties dollars. Um, for those of you guys who've been listening, I often will recalculate it into today's dollars. I'm not going to do that anymore. It just becomes a very complicated and convoluted process. So you guys know how to use the Google machine if you're listening to us, so you can do your own conversions. Now. Do you have any complaints about this movie? Um, bet- okay, so between the two movies, uh, I, I love them both as kids. I felt like this one didn't stand up as well. What? Uh, it's, it's 
fucking weird too. First off, okay, let's talk about the one, the older kid, the like, the one who's dressed like a young James Dean or something like that. He's got like a greaser outfit on. He's smoking cigarettes and he's in like junior high. It just, it was just, it boggled my mind to see this kid constantly lighting up all the time. Have you not fucking seen the Bad News Bears, the original? The b- badass kid, same thing, riding his bike, smoking fucking it's cigarettes. Just so cr- Maybe it's because it's 2020 and it's just like, like smoking's almost like worse than doing heroin. So seeing a kid light up in a kid's movie and smoke cigarettes was a bit, but here's like uh, unnerving. Like I think in terms of dialogue, there's no way a movie with this dialogue will ever get made today. Oh yeah, man, they use homosexual references all, all over the, fuck the place. I- <laughs> all there was actually more swearing in it than I remember too. Yeah. And even the fact, the idea of, like, a bunch of kids taking a camera and, like, taking pictures of the girl next door taking her clothes off. Which is off, his sister. Which is his sister. I was just like, yeah, man, none of that. That that, that was 100% a, like, late 80s film. You know what I mean? Like, you would not get away with a lot of that stuff uh, anymore. Um, I found it entertaining. I definitely would recommend it to people with, like, I don't know, 12, 12 and up kind of thing, depending mm-hmm. on the, your parenting size uh, style or whatever. Yeah. Like, for me, my only complaints are... Really, like, one. Like, I think this movie should have been longer. It should have been longer? Yeah. I think there's way more story that this movie could have delved in. Because if you think about it, like, story-wise, it fucking rushes from the monsters getting to that town. Yep. To the kids realizing the monsters are there. Because in reality, and this is my one gripe with the film. Hey, gripe away. What fucking kid is like, hey, this guy called looking for you about that um, diary that your mom said. And you see a name and you're like, let me just see what this name can be spelt as of. Oh, shit, Dracula. (laughs) It's Dracula. Hey, funny enough. So do you know that the actor that plays Dracula, uh, Duncan Rieger, he's from he's Canadian. So for those of you don't know, we're we're recording here in Canada. Um, He's from Alberta and British Columbia. He was a theater actor and a figure skater before he uh, made his big moves to the to the cinematic universe. Mm, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fun little romp. It's very eighties. I think if you're into stuff like uh, kind of uh, campy film, I mean it's kind of what Stranger Things like that idea of like eighties nostalgia. I think it it fits into that kind of genre. You know what I mean? Yeah, Stranger Things would. Like, like I wouldn't... I, like, I'm surprised. Like, this movie's, what, thir- almost 40 years old? Mm-hmm. That it hasn't been remade or remade into one a, a TV show. Okay, so you, I don't know if you know this, but... So, your buddy, uh, Michael Bay, his uh, Platinum Dunes production company... How is he my buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you like something like blows up and flies around and shit, right? Hey, real men don't um, look so at explosions. In, in 2010, they started th- talking about remaking this film, but they got no like positive feedback from like the community at large. Because, like you said, this place, this thing has a cult following. Um, and so, by 2014, it was dropped. So 2010. Yeah. So for four years, they th- they, they kind of talked about it. So and this it would dropped. this would have been right after his because Platinum Dunes remade Friday the 13th, which yep. did well. They remade. Texas Chainsaw that did well. Mm-hmm. And then they bombed Freddy. They bombed Nightmare on Elm Street. So if it was around there, they're probably like, don't fuck with that. Well, and again, something like the Monster Squad is like as much, it's, for, it's kind of one of those films that's like, those who like it or remember it 
really like it and they kind of don't want you to fuck with it, right? And I think we, we touch base on this on a lot of our podcasts where when films are cult films, sometimes you're taking a big, big risk trying to remake them or making sequels and stuff like that, right? So right, sometimes it it's better be. to just leave well enough alone. True. And I, I agree, but sometimes it can be done well. 100%. Like look at um, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah. I would say that that one's actually better. Like, as far as just, like, like intense, scary, like, zombie movie, it's better than the original. Like, the original has that same, like, George R. R. Romero kind of feel to it. But, yeah, the new, the Jack Snyder one is scary as fuck. Yeah, but it... Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid like of zombies. Got... Everybody knows that. So. <laughs> Everybody knows that. One other remake. I don't know. But we'll talk about that after. But what about... Like, in, yeah. I'm assuming in terms of these two movies, Beetlejuice is more what you would like. Yeah, yeah, and and, and we're we're I think we're kind of almost done on this film, uh, and we're gonna move over to Beetlejuice, and then we can kind of cross talk back and forth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this this movie's okay. I mean, I think it's Rotten Tomatoes score kind of says that it's got a 62 by the critics, sitting on a 78 by audience. I would definitely recommend this to people who are into that 80s kind of kitschy type film or you've got younger kids or like younger as in 12 or 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 older kind of thing so i'm telling you my kids when they're five that's when i started them on this and again i'm not a big horror guy so maybe you know it'd be so actually if if you're one of our listeners and you are a big horror fan and you've seen the monster squad like let let us know like you know is it part of that indoctrination to horror movies i believe it is now (laughs) Now we're going to move on to the big guns. The classic Tim Burton 1988 film, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Scott, what do you think? Like, you can just tell, like, this this movie is much more exciting to me. uh, And it has, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about with this film uh, compared to Monster Squad, I think. So what's your takeaway? Yeah, like, Beetlejuice is a classic. But going down this rabbit hole for this movie... I didn't realize how fucking dark this movie was supposed to be. A hundred percent. Right? Like You're talking with the original writer? Yeah, the original script. Like how dark this movie was supposed to be. You, you know be. your script is dark when it's like almost too dark for Tim Burton to work on. And like the studios are like, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Why would you say that? Almost too dark for Tim Burton. You don't think Tim Burton's kind of like a dark director? Like I'm, he's got a dark sensibility to him. He's gothic yes but he's made 17 movies yeah how many do you think have been rated r uh have any three which three ed wood ed wood is rated r ed wood is rated r why nudity i'm guessing Uh uh-huh sleepy hollow sleepy you know what's crazy is like i guess my context of like rated r is like tarantino type rated r how is sleepy hollow rated r again that beheadings most likely and the blood and then sweeney todd oh yeah 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 i could see sweeney todd because it's pretty graphic right all right so that's the thing like but dark doesn't necessarily mean violent to me i guess like He's con- he does a lot of I would agree with you. He does a lot of like gothic style. Yeah, it's all like all de- art deco kind of German impressionism. Yeah, like and that's the thing. Like going down in this rabbit hole with this movie, like realizing how dark it was supposed to be. 
Yeah. It, it actually made me want to fucking crave like a hardcore. Like the original well, script where like there's way more like murdering and stuff like that in it? No, not not only that. It, it made me like a hardcore rated R fucking Tim Burton horror movie. Oh, you mean like ha- just hit him go full tilt? That full fucking like. I, I don't. I think no one will ever be the same again if he goes. Do you have a favorite Tim Burton film? Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, Sleepy Hollow is pretty. And 1989's Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are kind of the ones that are on my list. I mean, Edward Scissorhands is fun. Um, I actually like uh, Big Fish and Big Eyes. Like they they have that kind of like weirdness that Tim Burton brings. Uh, I hate, absolutely hate his Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I think it's just called. Is is it even called the Chocolate? Isn't it just called Willy Wonka? No, it's called Charlie and the Chocolate. Charlie and the Chocolate, which is the original title of the book. Yeah, I mean the original, the Gene Wilder one is just leaps and bounds better. Uh, you know what? Which goes by one of what we're saying sometimes when you leave a cult movie, right? Like. Because the original yeah. is so beloved and has a cult following to to go try to redo it. I, I, I dare anybody out there to try and convince me that the Tim Burton version is even as good, let alone fucking better. To me, it was garbage. Garbage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sleepy Hall is a fantastic film. Uh, actually, I might even watch that later on tonight because we're in October and stuff. And it's just such a like classic, like you said, gothic horror Great casting. And I mean, he works with a lot of the same cast members. So um, in Beetlejuice, you've got, obviously, you've got Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, which I think were, you know, really, really, really well cast for their roles. But it's Jeffrey Jones, who has worked with Burton on Ed Wood and Sleepy Hollow, who is like the principal from, um, what's it called? Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he was in in Amadeus. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken... He was in Howard the Duck. He was in Howard the Duck. And he worked with Alec Baldwin on The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> and then... There's our seven degrees of yeah, whoever yeah, that said... guy's name is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, you've got the Catherine O'Hare, who is just coming off these huge Emmy wins for Schitt's Creek. Like, I'm just... so glad she made this movie in 87 to get the to get the Emmys now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, she's so good. I mean, they this this cast was so great together. They're super, super funny, um, including casting uh, Winona Ryder, who, again, worked with Tim Burton. Uh, she does voiceover in Frankenweenie. She was in, obviously in Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Now, um, who... but, the, but let's be honest, the star of this film is Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. The guy's ability to physically act is phenomenal. And he has the less, the, the least amount of screen time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish he was actually... Uh, I wish he was in it more. Yeah. Now, do you know who originally was supposed to be cast? Who was originally supposed to be Beetlejuice? Yes. Uh, I do not. Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, actually, I did read that. That would have been kind of an interesting take. That, yeah but that was the thing like when we were, we were talking about like how dark this movie is like obviously everybody's fucking watched this movie but um the climatic scene at the end yep the wedding yep do you know what it was supposed to be uh i'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a sexual assault yes it yeah. was it was him raping the 15 year old girl yeah that's yeah like when you're talking about how dark this film was i can see why the studios were like uh ixnay on the rape eh? um <laughs> The, I mean, and just as far as like just um, 
how well it did at the box office, you know, $15 million budget, $74 million return. Um, this was uh, Tim Burton's second film. Off I Pee-wee. think, uh, what was it? Pee-wee's Great Adventure yeah, was, was his directorial debut. So not bad, like hitting it right out of the park. Pee-wee did really well as well. True. But he, like, I don't really know of any Tim Burton really flops, though. What's that? I don't know of any Tim Burton flops. Uh, I think all of his movies have made. Yeah, I mean, he's got a pretty good cult following too, right? So typically if he does a film, people tend to go out and watch it. I mean, he did a good, a good job, depending on who you talk to, with Planet with the Planet of the Apes movie. Um, you know, he again, and he has a very distinct style as well, right? Um, Beetlejuice is actually on the AFI uh, 100 Years of 100 Laughs, 88. So it's considered like one of the top comedies in the last 100 years, according to the American Film Institute. Which that's that's pretty amazing. There's a lot of there's a lot of comedies out there. True. What's your favorite scene? Do you have a favorite scene? Like, what's your takeaway from this film in general? Like, fuck. My favorite scene's the, you know, when the the, the what you got to you got to no no sorry my favorite scene is when he I'm trying to like when he's in the little playroom and then all of a sudden the strip joint fucking comes and he's just like dan- starts dancing <laughs> does that it. little yeah, yeah, dance yeah. And it's like girls 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 I always actually I always thought in the back of my head that Motley Crue's song isn't it isn't it girls 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 like I yeah. thought that was playing because the signs are popping up all the neon and stuff and he's like oh yeah baby <laughs> and then he's like oh, oh. yeah the little dance I enjoyed it. So it's what's kind of cool is at the Academy Awards that year, um, it won the Academy Award for Best Makeup. And Tim Burton, if you watch it, it kind of he actually wanted it to have this kind of B movie uh, feel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not a massive budget to have on a film that could have been really, really like. There's a lot of special effects going on and stuff like that. And they did all that cool stuff with like claymation and mm-hmm. green screens and stuff, but. And this is my my issue with big blockbuster films that rely on special effects is that the acting in this film is really great. It's got a great story. It's got really great dialogue. And so it doesn't it doesn't need those big special effects. The special effects are there. They work. They're great. But because the story and the writing is so strong, even when we go back, like, for example, Monster Squad, as I said, I loved it as a kid. I watched it now and I'm like, eh. Beetlejuice, I actually thought wasn't going to age really well. I sat down and like in the first, you know, five, six minutes, I was like, I'm in, I'm back in, I'm hooked. I love this film. I can keep watching it. And that's all about story. And that's all about like, well, I mean, it's about the story. Having a great story and having it told properly gives a lot of lang- uh, longevity to a film. Yes, but you need, in, in the in the case of Beetlejuice, you need the special effects. Oh sure, like you. And then I don't think it relied on them too much, though. Right? Exactly, it didn't rely. But you could you could see how under a different director and with like not such a great written story and acting that that film could easily fall apart. Yeah, yeah. You know I what I mean? Like I if you were to that. try and like remake it, and you were just like, oh well, it's 2020, and we have all this extra like ability to do special effects and CGI and stuff, you could just fuck shit right up. Do you know that they were trying, and I think until fairly recently, they were still trying to do a sequel? Yeah. Oh, the Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. As, as I read that, I was like, I want to see that movie. I could, to- I would see Michael Keaton now do Beetlejuice in Hawaii, surfs up. Like, I want to see that movie. I like, I really, really hope they make that movie. I don't. 
You don't want you don't want to no, see. I don't like. I don't. I oh think, man, it would be so uh, cheesy, and especially if like Burton and like you get you would probably you could bring back like Winona Ryder. True, she but, could be older, or you could. You don't even need the cast. You just need Beetlejuice back. You need Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice, and. You know, remember they're building like a hotel on an ancient burial ground or something and just like have him come back. He could be overweight. He could be whatever. But the reason why I don't want it, it's not that they would do a good job. Like to see him. Yes. The nostalgia factor. Yes. We just went through nostalgia with Bill and Ted. Right. And it didn't work. For yeah, but you. that script sucked. That was a fucking horrible work, script. But if you have a good at, script, you can do it. But look at with the time frame that's been like almost 30 years. Do you want another Blade Runner 2020, which I thought was good, you thought sucked? Do you want uh, Dumb and Dumber 2, which okay. I think is... Again, I disagree with you that it's the time frame that matters. I think a it is. A good script is a good script. So when we're talking about like production and like making money, yeah, sometimes it's great to hit when the iron's hot. You know, you roll out a couple films back to back. But taking 30, 40 years, if you, if you get a great script... It's going to be timeless. Like, the character of Beetlejuice is dead. So it can be whatever. I mean, I would still... I wouldn't want to see it made without Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. But he mm-hmm. could be sh- in, a sh- like in a shittier shape. But if you bring in, like, a really great Have script, you seen Michael Keaton recently? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. He's, <laughs> he's in pretty good shape. He is. But, like, I think... What I mean is the aging effect of actual time would have no bearing on Beetlejuice. You know what I mean? It wouldn't matter. No, it wouldn't. You could have um, Lydia's character, you know, but you be don't, the what mom. What I'm suggesting is you don't even need any of those other characters. You can just have Beetlejuice and you can have him in a totally different scenario and just have crazy hijinks and make it even more about him. And then you're going to lose what made it special. It made it special because he was in it for so little, right, that he stole every scene. Sure. Now, if he's in every scene, how special is that? Uh, Again, I'm just going to fall back on the fact that whether he's in it 10 minutes or uh, 120 minutes, if it's a good script, fucking do it, man. I would go watch that movie. (laughs) I think it's the nostalgia factor. I think you, you have your eyes on that, like... I think you got to leave this one. This is the one movie I think you got to leave alone that it has to just be a single one off. Sure. Like, again, I would, I would suggest that if you're not going to do it right, don't mess with it. Um, man, you know, some of my favorite stuff though, is when they're in the underworld and in the bureaucracy and you see all the people sitting in the waiting room, Yeah, like the woman cut in half and like the, the shrunken head guy and stuff like that. It's awesome. It, they did such a fantastic job. Yeah. I like the whole, like what happened, like, if you knew, like, the girl who committed suicide. Yeah. And now she's a civil servant because yeah. she committed suicide. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. even made a joke about it during the dinner scene. Odo's like, oh, did you hear? Right? Like, if you commit suicide, you're a civil servant. And they all kind of joked around. So um, do you know that the actor that plays Odo actually went on to be the voice of the mayor in The Nightmare, the Nightmare Before Christmas? Really? Yeah. And actually, when you think about it, if you play it back in your ears, and actually, oh, and O'Hare plays, is Sally's voice. Yeah. Yeah, that one I thought I knew. Yeah. And The Nightmare Before Christmas is weird because, like, yeah, Tim Burton did a little bit of writing on it, but he mostly just produced it. Like, he didn't direct it. He didn't, like, it, it seems like a, like a, like the Tim Burton film. And it's the one that he, like, least is involved in. Well, not least, but not as much as most people think. But isn't it called Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas? I think it's, like, from 
the you know from Tim Burton, blah 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 blah. But going kids movie like this, the other thing that I thought was hilarious, like growing up, like it, obviously it didn't, but the whole eighties where this movie was then marketed to kids. Yes, where it had a hundred episode cartoon to just fill in fill in and get people hooked on it and i'm assuming you watched the cartoon as a kid oh yeah man the cartoon was great and and i think that's why you're you're into this whole beetlejuice nostalgia now so what you're saying is the marketing worked oh yeah like think about it ghostbusters they had the cartoon yeah like any movie that was huge in the 80s all of a sudden no matter what it was like fucking conan the barbarian had a cartoon right after and that movie was rated r rambo Rated R movie had a cartoon for kids and toys. To, yeah, like they don't. Well, do that our generation nowadays. was basically about like TV was designed to sell us stuff, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, and I guess you know the the people at Rotten Tomatoes and they they kind of are on the same page as me that it still holds up. It's got an eighty four. And an 82 from audience, so not bad after all these years. Well, I wouldn't say just you. Like, I agree, this is a good movie. I just don't think you should. Which one do you like better? Oh, yeah, it will be Monster Squad for me. Oh, man. I'll go Monster Squad. Are you fucking serious? And and talking about special effects, like, the special effects in Monster Squad, like, the. um, When he changes from the bat to to Dracula. Yeah. And the Wolfman transformation as well. Like,. For me, it's Monster Squad. Like, I will go Monster Squad 100%. Well, considering they both had the same budgets and one fucking flopped, though, and the other one basically quadrupled its money and became like, I don't know. Would you say Beetlejuice is a cult classic or is it just a classic? No, it's just a classic because it made money. That's right. Right? Monster Squad is a cult classic because, and that's the thing, like, it found its audience after. Not in theaters, but it was after. Everybody going to the video stores and grabbing it and then falling in love with it, right? I actually, I was hoping I could watch the documentary uh, because it was actually made in like 2018 or something like that. But I'm wondering if it's because of like COVID and uh, post-production and stuff. But yeah, it comes out, I think, October 27th. So I'm definitely going to watch it. It looks super interesting and it'll be kind of cool to see how it developed that cult classic status. Uh, They had played it in a couple movie theaters and it had sold out. Like, after the fact. So, really? I mean, maybe if we all don't die of COVID-19, uh, we'll get to see it in the movie theater. <laughs> I mean, that's so... Anyway, that's all for me. Scott, if you got anything else, and otherwise, do you want to take us out of here? No. Well, that's our rant for the day. If you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, please subscribe to our podcast. We're obviously located on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, just fucking pick one, whatever one you're listening one, and just hit subscribe. If you want to get a hold of us and express how much better Monster Squad is compared to Beetlejuice, follow us on Twitter at how do you like that one, or just email us at how do you like that movie at gmail.com. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.